Well, good morning, everyone. When Pam booked me to speak this morning at Culver, I had no idea that I would have to record it and send in a video and we would not be meeting face to face. But I've been thinking about you and praying for you as I've put together this message. So I hope you'll find it appropriate. In a couple of minutes, I'm going to read from Psalms 42 and 43. So please turn to those Psalms in your Bibles. As you do that, I'd like you to think, what could you not live without? What is most precious to you? So precious that life would not be worth living if you lost it. Perhaps it is a person. Life would not be worth living without them. In this period of lockdown because of COVID-19, who or what do you feel separated from? Are you struggling with loss of company, loss of role, loss of routine, loss of employment? Loss of meeting family and friends. The loss of your favourite sport to watch or other diversions and entertainment. Are you struggling with the loss of meeting God's people at Culver on a Sunday morning? Well, you might see people's faces on the screen at a Zoom meeting. That's when Zoom is working. But inside you feel it's not the same. The worst thing to lose is all hope. To lose hope that things will get better, that there will be a new normal where at least some aspects of what life used to be like will be restored. What is your hope in lockdown? Who is your hope while you're in lockdown? This morning, as I've said, we're going to look at Psalms 42 and 43, which probably were originally just one song. I hope you've got your Bibles open there in front of you now. If you look at Psalm 43, you'll see it's got the same chorus as Psalm 42. Twice in Psalm 42 and once in Psalm 43, we get this refrain. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. As we look through these Psalms, we may find several similarities between the writer's situation and our own. Now we've got verses 1, 2, 3, 4 and so on in our versions, but the verses of the song are what we've got in our Bibles as verses 1 to 4, 6 to 10 and Psalm 43, 1 to 4. Those are the verses that tell us why the writer is in difficulty, why he feels depressed, even crushed by his problems. The chorus that we get in the other verses, verse 5, verse 11, and then verse 5 of Psalm 43, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. I understand that hope is your key word for 2020, and the title of my message on these Psalms is Hope in Lockdown. If you want a big idea of this morning's message, it is this. When we're in trouble, let your faith talk to your feelings to bring you hope. When in trouble, whether it's COVID-19 or any other trouble, let your faith talk to your feelings to bring you hope. Well, let's read those Psalms now. Psalms 42 and 43. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food 
day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Vindicate me, my God and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then. I will go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We think, thank you for this passage in your word. And we pray as we look at it together, you'll help us to understand what it means and how it speaks to us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, keep your Bibles open. You may have noticed, well, I've already pointed it out to you, haven't I? There are three sections, each followed by the same chorus. So you might think one way to look at this psalm would be to go through the three sections one at a time. But although there are differences between the three sections, different emphases, the writer is speaking about the same problems in each. So instead of looking at them section by section, these psalms, we will look at what the writer feels his main problems to be. And I would say his main problems seem to be he's separated from God's presence, He's separated from God's place and he's separated from God's people. In this time of lockdown, we might find those to be our problems too. Separated from God's presence, separated from God's place, separated from God's people. We're going to look at the similarities and differences between him and us. In particular, the difference it should make to us today because Jesus has come and we live 
in the New Covenant age. So first problem, separated from God's presence. The first verse is well known. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. We like the vivid picture, don't we? We can imagine David Attenborough narrating a scene of an animal in a drought, searching unsuccessfully for a waterhole, instead finding them all dried up. We can hear perhaps in our head David Attenborough's voice. I won't try and do an impression of David Attenborough's voice. He's stating the obvious. Unless this deer finds water quickly, she will be dead. But the problem with well-known verses is that their meaning can be lost because we think we know what they mean. They could become part of our songbook. They take on a meaning actually completely different to what the author intended. We interpret this as a person who wants a closer walk with God, someone thirsty to know more of God's presence. And we might at first feel this is backed up by the second verse there. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? We think, yes, this is me. This is me at my best waiting to have an other opportunity to experience God in some way. But let's take a step back and look at the picture again and the context of the whole pair of these psalms. The deer is looking for water in the desert. It's not that she has water and wants some more. She's got none and desperately needs some. And that's the picture we should have in our minds about the writer. He feels separated from God's presence and desperately wants to know something of God being with him again. The question, where can I go and meet with God, is asked because at the moment that seems impossible. Let's take another further step back. I didn't read the title of the psalm, but you see it says, for the director of music, a maskil of the sons of Korah. This was written by one of the sons of Korah. They were a family guild of musicians and singers instituted by King David for worship in Jerusalem. The skills of being a temple musician were passed on from father to son down through the centuries. To meet with God, for a son of Korah, didn't mean like us all have a daily quiet time to read the Bible and pray. You can see what it meant in verse 4 of both of these psalms. I'm going to read Psalm 42 verse 4, then Psalm 43, a bit of verse 3 and then verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. And then his prayer in the next psalm, let them bring me to your holy mountain to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. God's presence dwelt in Jerusalem in the temple. You met with God in the temple. Our writer once had the privileged position of leading the musicians and people into the temple. When can I meet with God means when can I get back to the temple and be part of the worship of God? When can I do it? Seeing the animal sacrifices on the altar, he wanted to see them there, symbolising the forgiveness of sins. He wanted to be singing the psalms of praise to God. The writer could not know God's presence because he was many miles away. So he felt separated from God's presence. Worse still, he felt rejected by God. Psalm 42 verse 9 and then Psalm 43 verse 2. Look at them. I say to God, my rock, 
Why have you forgotten me? You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Forgotten by God, even rejected by God. In our deepest moments of despair, perhaps, perhaps you suffer with depression and you know the feeling all too well. Where are you, God? In this situation, I find myself in. I'm at my lowest, but it seems you're not there with me. You're not here. Why is this happening to me? What have I done, God, that you've rejected me? The writer is going through the blackest of moods that humans can face. He asks in the chorus, why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why is he doing that? Because this separation from God feels so real. In fact, this feeling is pushing everything else out of his mind. You can see the effects this has on him physically in verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. He's weeping. He can't sleep. He's lost his appetite. Verse 10. My bones suffer mortal agony. He's uncomfortable, aching, restless, definitely not a happy bunny. But maybe you're feeling just a little, little bit like that during this lockdown. Listless, restless. Maybe it's just a general feeling because you cannot meet with anyone. Or it might be a very particular feeling. You can't worship God at Culver like you used to. Well, the person here, this writer, he's lost his job, his role in society. He couldn't do what he was trained to do, lead the worship at the temple. That was what his life was about. His spiritual feelings were tied up with his feelings of value and worth. For us, it may be different. But some of us may be suffering. I should be doing this or that, but I can't. Of course, the lockdown is easing a bit, but we've still got restrictions in place. You may have been furloughed maybe not able to do your work. Perhaps you don't know who you are anymore. You've lost your place in society. Well, this writer has been there and he's definitely got that t-shirt. The reason the writer felt separated from God was that he was separated from God's place. From four, verse four, it's clear he's not able to go to God's house in Jerusalem, but why? Well, look down at verse six and it tells us, my soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Now, of course, with these Psalms, we're dealing with poetry, so we don't know whether the, the writer literally was in the land of the Jordan by Hermon and Mizar, or was it just that he felt as though he was that far away? Well, Mount Hermon is about 140 miles from Jerusalem as the crow flies. Google Maps will tell you it would take 59 hours to walk the 283 kilometres by the safest route today between those two points. The writer is a long way from home. The rest of the psalm suggests it's somewhere like the land of Jordan he's in. He feels very far from home. Mount Hermon is where the Jordan River rises and there are waterfalls in the region. And you can still see pictures of that region now where there are waterfalls. And that's the background to verse seven. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. Of course, the writer is mixing his metaphors. You can do that in a song. Changing from the river's waterfalls to the waves and breakers of the sea. 
It's a vivid picture, nonetheless, of being overwhelmed by the power of nature. In verse 1, he feels dry, desperate for a drink. But down here in these verses, it seems he's drowning. It's a picture of how he feels overwhelmed by his circumstances, far from home and surrounded by his enemies. Mount Hermon lies outside of the Promised Land. So it's no wonder people there should ask him, where is your God? In verse 3 and 10, it says he's taunted all day long. Where is your God? Your God is in Israel, specifically on Mount Zion. What are you doing here 140 miles away? You are not in God's place. The mention of foes, an ungodly nation, deceitful and wicked men, the enemy, show that the writer is in a hostile environment. Far from home, separated from God's place. Is that how you feel? Surrounded by people who don't share your faith. Some just ignore your faith, some pull your leg. Others are outright hostile to you. And now you cannot come to a church gathering. You're stuck in lockdown. Well, being separated from God's place, the writer is separated from God's people. We've just said he is surrounded by the ungodly, by hostile people. We have seen what he was used to in verse 4. I used to go to the house of God. He used to go with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. The writer was used to being among crowds of people united in the praise of God, together performing the rituals that God had said should take place. But now he is in an ungodly nation, surrounded by people taunting him. Instead of having the support of like-minded believers, he's oppressed by the enemy taunting him, where is your God? Is it meeting God's people that you miss most in the lockdown? Is it the frustration you can't be there and give a hug to the person you know is hurting or receive a hug yourself when you're feeling down? Is it not having that buzz of people around you singing God's praises? Yes, you can sing along on YouTube and so on, it feels different in the church building surrounded by people you know and love, all worshipping the same God together. And it's more obvious when you're singing along to YouTube, you're out of tune as you sing along at home. Separated from God's presence, God's place and God's people. No wonder the writer feels depressed, crushed, overwhelmed. He's lost his role, lost his job, lost even his God, it seems. All the props that normally held his life together have gone. The foundations on which everything was built in his life have been washed away. He feels, as we can see in the words here, a physical, spiritual and emotional wreck. And yet, and yet, he is a believer. He is suffering, yes, but his faith remains strong even in the midst of his suffering. He's not given up. He does not give in to the taunts of his enemies. He is desperate to meet God again. It's vital as we look through this psalm to see how he describes God. He is the living God, my saviour, my God. Although Old Testament worship tended to focus on the community being right with God and worshipping together, it's clear the writer has a real personal experience with God. Look at verse 8, a high point amidst the writer's despair. By day the Lord directs his love, 
at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Day and night the writer is weeping, we read back in verse 3, yet he knows God is still directing his love. He still has a song to sing and a prayer to pray. He doesn't feel God's presence as he did in Jerusalem, but by faith he acknowledges the truth that Israel's God, the living God, is not bound by space. He is everywhere at every point in his universe. This writer would have known the song David had written, what we call Psalm 139, which clearly teaches us that we can never flee from God's presence. His feelings told him one thing, I'm separated from God's presence. But his faith tells him the reality. God is still directing his love, still available in prayer. In verse 9, he's talking to God, my rock. In Psalm 43, verse 2, he is God, my stronghold. In verse 4, he is God, my joy and my delight. Even his troubles he sees as under God's control. Did you notice in verse 7, he didn't say waterfalls, waves and breakers. He says, your waterfalls, your waves and breakers. Despite feeling God is absent, the writer continues to pray to him. He knows in the words of Psalm 43 verse 3, he needs God to send his truth and light to guide him back to where he belongs. He may be far from home, but he acknowledges God is still the one on the throne, still in charge, still the rock and refuge he needs, still the only joy and delight that can satisfy his thirst for the living God. And that's why we get the chorus three times. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. The writer needs to talk to himself rather than just listen to himself. The famous Welsh preacher of the 20th century, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, said this. Most of our unhappiness in life is due to the fact that we are listening to ourselves instead of talking to ourselves. Well, of course, in this period of lockdown, we might not have had many people to talk to apart from talking to ourselves a lot of the time. But what Lloyd-Jones was getting at is if we listen to ourselves, we're going to get depressed or stay depressed. I'm far from home. Woe is me. Stop that. Why are you downcast? Listen to God's word. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. Hoping God, remember what you know about him. He's still my saviour and my God. I will get to praise him again. You might be feeling down about this COVID-19 crisis. What do you do? You read the online reports of all that is happening, the daily death tolls, the latest stupid thing Trump has said and so on. What does that do? It depresses you. How about reading Romans 8, 31 to 35 to yourself every day? Yes, look at the news briefly, but then read Romans 8, 31 to 35. There we read, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? 
It is God who justifies. Who then is it who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life? He's at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And we could add to that, can famine separate us? Can COVID-19 separate us from the love of Christ? We need to remind ourselves we're in a much better situation than the writer of this psalm. This side of the cross, we're not bound to one place of worship. Jesus told the Samaritan woman in John 4, 23 to 24, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And of course, that was in the context of Jesus offering to this lady the only water that can truly satisfy. God resides in each one of us through his Holy Spirit. We are not limited to only worshipping when we get together. As we've just said, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. We might feel separated, but we need to talk to ourselves. Why are you downcast? Hope in God. Nothing can separate us from Christ's love. How can we be confident of this? Because we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He experienced what we've got in Psalms 42 and 43. He knew what it was to be far from home. He left the immediate presence of God to come to earth. On the cross, he felt the ultimate abandonment by God as he cried out in the words of Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yes, he knew the feelings of the writer here, forgotten and rejected by God. Jesus knew, in addition, what it was to be separated from God's people. John begins his gospel by telling us that he came to his own people, but they rejected him. At the last, many called for his execution, while even his closest friends fled and left him all along. But Jesus went through all that and the agonising death of the cross so that nothing could separate us, you and me, from his love. Do you believe it? Nothing, not even the COVID-19 crisis. Because Jesus died and rose, we can say, put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Even if we never live long enough to meet with our brothers and sisters again at our local church, and we have had two brothers die at our church in Uxbridge from COVID-19, we will yet praise our God, our Saviour, because our destiny is to serve our Lord Jesus forever. He has prepared a place for us where we can praise him eternally. We have hope even in lockdown. Let your faith talk to your feelings to bring you hope. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. I'm going to finish with a prayer of Paul from Romans 15, a very short prayer, 
but a prayer of hope. Romans 15 verse 13. Let's pray. May the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in him, so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.